Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are really excited to welcome Janet Nelson as our guest. Janet, welcome. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. We feel like this is a long time coming because you were a member of the Young Women General Board under President Bonnie Oscarson. And as we've interviewed her and interviewed members of her presidency and board, they've all said, you need to talk to Janet. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just really grateful to finally have you here with us today. We wanted to briefly introduce Janet. So as I mentioned, she served from 2014 to 2018 under President Bonnie Oscarson in The Young Women. And Janet brought a really unique perspective to the board, and she's going to talk about that today. She and her husband, Jeff, raised their four children in New York City. She lived in Germany on several occasions, and she speaks German. And she also earned a master's degree and taught math at a New York City high school. She and her husband actually just recently returned from living in Germany from 2017 to 2020. Her husband was serving as Europe Area Legal Counsel for the church, and they're now here in Salt Lake City. So, Janet, again, thanks for being here, and we're just so excited to hear your experiences and your perspective. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. Janet, you were raised in Salt Lake City and moved with your husband to New York City before your children were born. And you've said that you never planned to raise a family in New York City, but at certain points and certain junctions, you just felt like you were where you needed to be. And we just learned so much about personal revelation and how we can hear him through others' personal experiences. And we would love to talk with you about personal revelation and what that has looked like to you in your life. So when Jeff graduated from law school, he had a job offer here in Salt Lake and one in New York. And we prayed about it, and we just felt like that's where we were supposed to go. And we thought, we can always move back. But if we stayed here, we thought, we'll never leave. Mm -hmm. And we just were looking for a little bit of adventure. So we went. And I have to say, it was really exciting. And I was really glad I was pregnant with my first child because it brought me down to earth again because there were so many things to do in New York. But as we went along and we had more children, we just felt like we were where we were supposed to be. And we didn't wake up every morning and say, oh, should we move back to Salt Lake? Like if a job change was coming on or you're having another child and you need to look for an apartment, you think, okay, are we still good? Should we still (laughs) Mm -hmm. be here? And we felt like we should stay. And we did. So that was an example of where I just always felt like it was the right thing. It was just kind of confirmed Mm -hmm. regularly and we felt good about it. But there's been some other times where it's been very clear this is what you should do. And I wanted to share an experience of going back to school. So mm-hmm. in, everyone knows in 2008, the banks were failing and nowhere more than in New York. And my husband was working for a bank at the time. And I thought, I need to go back to school and be prepared to work. Sure. And I'd always wanted to go into nursing. And I thought, well, this is the time. I can go mm-hmm. back and get my nursing degree mm-hmm. and change. And you, you had an undergrad in I math. had an undergrad in math. Mm-hmm. I'd taught the whole time Jeff was in law school mm-hmm. and a little bit in New York. And I thought, this is the time to do the nursing. And as I looked into it, it was not very convenient. It was far away. And I kept thinking, well, I should not rule out math. And so as I pondered those two, and I'm a very organized person. I like lists. Mm -hmm. I like pros and cons. (laughs) The pro side for the math was so much greater. And as I prayed about it, I thought, I've got all of these contacts. I know so many people. I can get a job here. Mm And I just knew that was what I was supposed to do. And I wasn't even disappointed that I didn't get to do the nursing, even though that's something I had always wanted to do. And so that was really interesting. And then after I started my graduate program, I got a call from a high school where I had taught 23 years before. 
And they said, we have a maternity leave job for five months. Can you come audition or do a demo lesson Mm -hmm. for this job? And at the time, I had a sinus infection. And that's what I get when I get overwhelmed. So I'm thinking, I'm in graduate school. I'm sick. I'm already overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. And you want me to go to this high school, which is a premier school in New York City, school for gifted kids. Wow. And I'm a stay-at-home mom for 23 years. (laughs) So there's a little bit of review to do to teach math. (laughs) Totally. And... My kids are going, Mom, you have to do this because this school is not under the Board of Education. It's under the Board of Regents because it's affiliated with a college, and so they have a lot of freedom, and so it's a really neat place to teach. And they said, we'll help you. We'll walk the dog. We'll cook dinner. You know, we'll, <laughs> oh, we'll help because cool. I had older kids. And so I prayed, and I did my homework, and I went and I taught this demo lesson. And I think it's one of the best lessons I have ever taught in my life. And it was just really clear that Heavenly Father was with me. I got the job, and I just thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this, Heavenly Father, but it's clear you are opening doors for me. Sure. And so I was doing that, and it was a fantastic experience. I was there for four years, and then I get called in the middle of it to the Young Women Board, and all of a sudden, I'm totally overwhelmed. And I didn't have any downtime in my life. I'm not sitting on the couch watching like movie TV at from night. one mm-hmm. thing to the next. I, yeah. I'm grading my homework on the train. You know, wow. <laughs> I'm just using every second. And there just wasn't time for everything. And so I said, Heavenly Father, you need to help me figure this out because you gave me this calling. <laughs> and I went back and read some of the things from my journal that I'd even forgotten about. But he just opened my eyes to change the way I did certain things. Like in New York, you are a person of habit. You stand in the same place on the platform every time because you know where the door's going to open and you know where you're going to get out. And you are this creature of habit. And he showed me how to break that and do something better. So it really opened my eyes to a different way. He also helped me do things that were good enough. I like things to be the best. (laughs) Yep. And he said, you know what? It's okay if you create a review for the chapter test from these review pages that somebody else has created. You don't have to do everything from scratch. He just helped me see things in a different way and make just some very small changes that made a world of difference. And it's just a great testimony to me that he was giving me revelation on how to how to manage your life. Yeah. Exactly. How to make it work. Mm-hmm. And they were clear enough that I wrote them down in my journal. I said, this is making a difference. Yeah. Where you eat lunch. Well, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was a big deal. And it changed and made my life more productive so mm-hmm. that I could fit everything in. Yeah. I really love those examples because I think we see different ways that Heavenly Father can speak to us. Mm -hmm. And it sounds a lot like kind of in the instance of deciding to continue living in New York, just these quiet assurances. And as you were moving forward, you weren't receiving warnings or bad feelings. You just kind of kept moving forward and it felt good. And then in the instance of doors opening or opportunities becoming available and you succeeding in those, then having these small ideas. I love that it's just small things, just really small promptings or small ideas and that you recognized this is not how I normally do things. You know, this is probably not coming from me. This is help probably as you were seeking it earnestly and also listening. Right. And those were times when I asked for help. And I cannot remember what year, but there was one general conference where I just felt like I needed to learn how the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And I started listening because there were times that he spoke to me when I wasn't asking questions. And I learned that they were just little thoughts like, you should take your coat with you. Or even though the map says 
go right. The sign says go left. You should go left. Well, I went right, and it was a bad situation. And so I started paying attention to those times when I wasn't seeking it. And that was really powerful for me to recognize that these weren't big revelations. They were just little thoughts. You know, you should get gas before you go on this trip. And sometimes when you do it, there's nothing that says, clearly, this was the Holy Ghost, but nothing bad happens. But there were a few times when I didn't do things, and sometimes some bad things happened. And that was a great lesson to me, to to see how quiet it was. Yeah, and that's so interesting. But I just go back to when we are keeping our covenants and our promises that we've made with God, we are really promised that the Holy Ghost can be with us always. That's on your commute to work. That's when you're at home doing household responsibilities or work responsibilities. It's just amazing that we really can be guided in everything. So, Jana, we'd love for you to share, too, a recent prompting you had to create something for your children and grandchildren. This was last year, and you've shown it to us, and it's beautiful. We'd love for you to share kind of with our listeners about that. I would love to because this was just such a wonderful thing. So this is a disclaimer here that I have not always been so good about accepting the invitations of the prophets when they say, hey, President Hinckley, you should read the Book of Mormon by the end of the year. And I'm thinking, I'm already in Alma. (laughs) I'm just going to finish it. And then I thought, you're not accepting that. So I've not been so great about that. So when President Nelson in 2019 October conference invited us to do several things, read Doctrine and Covenants 25, and there were quite a number of invitations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very Mm -hmm. specific. And I thought, I'm going to do it this time. And so I started thinking about it. And this is the one that really spoke to me. He said, how would my life be different if my knowledge gained from the Book of Mormon were suddenly taken away? How have the events that followed the first vision made a difference for me and my loved ones? Design your own plan. Immerse yourself in the glorious light of the restoration. And so I just started thinking about it. And as I was reading one of the conference talks by Elder Boom, he's from Holland, and I had met him in the temple there in the Netherlands. I was reading his talk, and he said, Find your place where you can be alone and ask Heavenly Father to make known which part you are to play in the last chapter of the world's history. So I just started thinking, and I just received this idea, and I wrote it down in the margin. It's mm-hmm. in my—I have that conference report, and it's in the margin of the plan I had of to make this book about the restoration and the first vision for my kids and tell about my family's and Jeff's family's history in it. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one morning— and it just was all there. Like I folded to you. So and mean. I had all this scratch paper by my bed. And I'm just like writing down as fast as I could. It's like in all the margins, like go to this page now. And it's just all over, just scattered <laughs> all over the place. But I knew that if I didn't write it down right then, I would not remember it. It was so clear to me. It was laid out. And with only a few changes, I mean, a lot of editing, but basically the layout that is the result is what I saw right then. Mm -hmm. And it was such a blessing because it was COVID time and all of a sudden I didn't have a job anymore. I didn't have a calling and I had no family and my husband's working still. So I had a lot of time. And so I spent a lot of time researching this and putting it together. And it was to me just a gift, kind of is my COVID gift Mm -hmm. (laughs) for my family. But this happens to me often when I have to give a talk. I'm a numbers person. That's why I like math. I'm not a wordsmith. And sometimes it's hard for me to find the right words. And I feel like this is a tender mercy that Heavenly Father grants to me. When I am prepared, then he gives me this little gift of, here's how it could unfold. 
and then I can work within that You framework. can work with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He just knows me, and it's just been a huge gift for me. And it happens often when I give a talk or mm -hmm. have an assignment. So that has been neat. And for our listeners, Jana actually brought in a copy of this book that she'd created for her children and grandchildren. And it is it's so astounding. Sweet. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. She has pockets of where she's included music and just so many and family pictures, pictures and, and pictures of the first vision and personal experiences. It's incredibly inspiring. And I just think how special would that be if I had something like that from my grandparents and, mm -hmm. and my parents? So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And you've taught us so much through these different examples about personal revelation. So thank you. That was something as we talked with you, it was like, we can learn a lot from your experiences. So thank you. Can I share one more that happened yes. last Friday? Yeah, sure. So I had scheduled a phone call with someone last Friday, and it was two weeks just getting us together. And there was just a lot of tension. Well, I had prayed that I would know what to say in this phone call. And oftentimes when I pray like that, then I'll just stay on my knees for a while and hope some words will come into my mm -hmm. head and nothing was coming. And I thought things through. You know, I did all the Sunday school answers. I pondered. I was reading my scriptures. I was trying to get an answer on what I should say to this person. And nothing was coming. So that morning, I was very anxious. And I just kind of was surprised at how anxious I was. And so I thought, okay, for this phone call, I need to be in a good place. Mm -hmm. And a good place is not in my apartment where my husband is working <laughs> 20 feet away from me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I need to be where a place where I have my head clear. So I did my bike ride, and I ended up in Ensign Downs Park. Park, which is just a stunning setting. You're mm -hmm. at the top of the hill and you're looking out over the whole valley. Mm -hmm. So it's a very calming place. And for me, I feel the spirit the best when I'm in nature. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, I make the phone call. And as I'm talking, these words came out of my mouth that I had not thought of that were exactly the right thing to say. And within two minutes, the entire situation was resolved. It was perfect for him. It was perfect for me. And this is the scripture that came to mind. For it shall be given you in the very hour, in the very moment, what you shall say. And that was just so big for me because they weren't my words. And that's putting a lot of faith and trust in your preparation and then saying, okay, I need it in the moment. It was a beautiful thing. And I just was so relieved. And I just, as soon as the phone call was over, I just bowed my head and said, thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving me that because mm -hmm. wow. I needed it. And I really didn't know what I was going to say. That's wonderful. And I'm just reminded of how fortunate and blessed we are to know that we can reach out to Heavenly Father at any time and ask mm -hmm. for help and trust that we will receive it according to His will and what is needed in the moment. But that's a really wonderful reassurance. Janet, we wanted to move on as we talked with you living in New York City for more than 30 years, and you still call Brooklyn home. You've said that you've had so many experiences living with, working with, and serving with people who are different from you. You said just on your own block, you were friends with Muslims and Jews and Christians, those with no belief, families and individuals in the LGBTQ community, people with varying political views, just on and on, just so much diversity. And you said, and I thought this was so beautiful, that as you really came to know and really love these people, you just learned so much about them and so much from them. And that love and friendship just continued to grow, especially, you said, as you've served with them and served them. And we'd love for you to share some of these experiences and some of the lessons that you've learned. I just love Brooklyn. If you could see the friends that my oldest daughter hung out with, it was kind of like a microcosm of New York City. And I'd look at her hanging out in the backyard with those friends, and i just think, this is why we came here. Yeah, you know, we just neat. love that. And 
I think I'm going to start with visiting teaching because I have just loved that I'm put in a situation where either my partner or the people that we're visiting are not the people I would normally hang out with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you're forced to get to know them and spend time with them. And that has just been a huge blessing to me to open my heart to different people and see how much they have to offer, even though on the surface you might not see it. But then you get to know them and you realize, wow, you're really good at this, or you've had this really hard experience in your life. And how did you get through that? Or Mm -hmm. how can you be a foster mother to your grandkids and your cousin's kids? And you're like 70 years old. I mean, these are hard things that people Mm -hmm. are doing. And I always thought, oh, I'm going to serve these people. And then every time I left, I think, uh, I think I was the one who benefited the most from that visit. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of my love in Brooklyn. This was something I just love so much, as you just said, I love visiting teaching. You know, now ministering, but you just said, I love it. It is one of my favorite things in life. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, I think I have two things that I love that most people just think are nuts. I love visiting teaching, and I love girls' camp. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) And so I had some neighbors who were lesbian, and one of my neighbors, who is Lutheran, was kind of the self-appointed Relief Society president of the block. I love that so much. (laughs) And she called me, and she even used the language of a Relief Society president. She said, Janet, Lisa and y'all are having twins, and I've talked to them, and they're going to need some help, so would you be able to take dinner to them? You know? And I'm like, which call am I on here? So sweet, yeah. Just so perfect. And this was in the late 90s, and I will just say the relationship between the LGBTQ community and the church at that time was maybe not so harmonious as it is today. And I admit that I hesitated for a minute. And then it just flooded into my head. What are you thinking? They're mothers. They've Mm -hmm. got a four-year-old and they're having twins. They need help. Mm -hmm. Of course I can make dinner for them. And the thing that's so sweet about it is that we didn't have a relationship. They were just my neighbors yeah. up the street. I mean, I knew them and stuff, but we didn't really have a close relationship or anything. But after that, something changed, mm-hmm. and they started hiring my kids to pick up their kids from school and take them to their activities. And it was a sweet relationship that came from that. And I felt like that was because I had been willing to cross a line into a territory that was a little bit uncomfortable for me. And I realized When we serve, there's nothing in our covenant that says we can't serve people that are different than we are. And that was a huge lesson for me. Mm -hmm. So that was wonderful. There's really no bounds, right, right, to giving and serving as the Savior does. Like There's really no boundaries. That's beautiful. Um, I had a Jewish neighbor. I have lots of Jewish friends, but I had one Jewish neighbor who was having her fourth child the same time I was having my fourth. I will note she went on to have four more, so she really outdid me. Um, (laughs) But we used to talk a lot about the Sabbath day. And I learned so much from her that I incorporated into my own life about how to keep the Sabbath day. And I used to kind of think, oh, law of Moses, you know, we're on such a higher plane. Well, she was doing a lot better job than I was. (laughs) And it was a joyful thing for them. So she taught me a lot about that. Mm -hmm. And that was where I started thinking, we can learn a lot from the Jewish people about how they keep their covenants because they do a really good job. They take them very seriously, and Mm -hmm. they do a really good job. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those very specific examples that were meaningful to you and that have been really meaningful to me as I've just listened to you. Janet, we'd love to know how did these perspectives that you gained help you as you served on the Young Women General Board? 
Well, first of all, when I got called to be on the board, it was such a mind-blowing thing because this was the first and only international board. Mm -hmm. And there were people from Japan and South Africa and two from South America and then New York because it's a foreign country, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I think all of us who lived outside of Salt Lake were able to share what the church looked like where we lived with the presidency and the rest of the board, and not to diminish what the presidency sees when they travel, because they do see a lot, but they can't see everything, and they can't see the day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think I was able to share with them, what does the church look like for our young women in Brooklyn, in New York City? more Mm -hmm. urban areas. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that some of our chapels are storefronts, or that this young woman is the only member of the church in her high school, and that the leaders are stressed out because the young woman leader is the wife of the bishop. She has two kids. She works full-time. She doesn't have a car, but how is she going to get these young women that don't have a way to get to the church and have to have a ride because it's not safe to ride at night? It was hard, Mm -hmm. and I think that through our visits and the reports that we gave, those who were outside of Salt Lake were able to show what the church was like and some of the difficulties. Mm -hmm. And I would really like to share this one experience. So I was in the temple sitting next to a woman that I knew, and I said, hey, what's your calling now? She goes, I'm the young women's president in Queens. And I went, oh, that's so great. And she goes, will you please come visit us? And I said, I'll come. So we set up a time. And this is why she wanted me to come, because she had been talking to her young women who were in an ethnically diverse ward. And one of the girls was kind of complaining about something. And she said, what do those white women in Salt Lake know about us? <laughs> and the leader's response was, we have Sister Nelson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she can come. So I came and we talked to the girls. And even though, yes, I am white, I had been living in Brooklyn for 30 years My kids all went to New York City public schools. I got it. I knew what it was like to have young people and to be a young person in New York. And I was able to take some of those questions from the young women and the concerns they Mm -hmm. had and send them directly to Sister Oscarson, Mm -hmm. you know? That's so great. And I think that was valuable. Yeah, exactly. That's so neat. And neat to know that that was happening in all of these different areas, as you said, these different members of the board, such a valuable perspective that you were bringing. And now it's happening everywhere. It's so exciting with these new area advisor, area Mm -hmm. organization advisors. It's amazing. Very exciting. That's what we've said. This is the biggest news of the year. Everyone (laughs) needs to know about this. So we'll also link in our show notes so that people who aren't familiar with this announcement that there are women who are supporting area presidencies in areas around the world to share perspectives of the women organizations and the primary and and who have a direct link to the general presidencies here. Yeah, kind of bridging that gap. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Janet, something I thought of as we were talking is that not all of us will have an opportunity to live in a place as diverse as Brooklyn or other places. Mm -hmm. We might live in places where it's like, well, actually, I look around and most of these people are a lot like me. And yet we can still have experiences and learn from people who are different from us. And I'd love for you to share how that can be and how we can keep that in mind, even if we're living in places that don't appear on the surface to be very diverse. So I moved to Salt Lake in July, and one of the first things that I did was I found out where I could volunteer. So I'm 
tutoring an Afghani man right now who's attending Slick. So Salt Lake Salt, Community Salt, College. Thank you. <laughs> and he is taking a math class, and I tutor him two mm-hmm. to three times a week. He's so lucky. And so yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first things that I did when I got here because I knew I was kind of locked in with COVID. So I thought, I can do this over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, and he's already said, when can you come over for dinner? And I said, as soon as you're vaccinated, I'll be there. Yeah. That's <laughs> so there are communities out there. Mm-hmm. I also just think a lot of it is our attitude. We all like to be in this comfort zone for a good reason. But I think that if we can find ways to break out of that, and sometimes like for me in Brooklyn, it was built into the system through visiting teaching. But there are lots of things you can do here. You can find someone who's doing a service project that's not sponsored by the church, that it's a community service Mm -hmm. project, or look at who you work with and who are your neighbors. They're not all members of the church anymore. And maybe you need to be the one to approach your neighbor and say, hey, you guys want to come over for dinner sometime? Or Mm -hmm. do you want to go to a concert or something? Look for interfaith activities. There's a lot of those around. And I think even on Just Serve, you're going to find a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff that's outside Mm -hmm. of the church. So I Mm -hmm. think it's more your attitude. We can link to that too. JustServe.org is a place to find service opportunities, and we can link to that. That's a wonderful suggestion. And one thing that I did in Brooklyn was I prayed that I would find a non-member friend, not an acquaintance, but a real friend, and I did. And that was a beautiful thing for me. It really is so valuable to learn other people's perspectives and learn from their experiences. It's so valuable. And so I love that you're encouraging us, wherever we are, to just find those opportunities. Mm Mm-hmm. Janet, you mentioned that you had such a great experience in Germany when you were serving. And so we want to know a little bit more about your time that you spent volunteering with refugees there. You volunteered in refugee camps and spent time tutoring one-on-one. And we would love to know some of the lessons you learned about service from this experience. So like the second day I'm in Frankfurt, there was a lot of senior missionaries where I live because it's the area office. And they said, okay, we're going to the refugee camp today. Come with us. And I'm going, okay, I don't know even what I'm doing here. I'm still jet lagged. So this is summer 2016, actually, is when we arrived. Oh, okay. There was this huge migration to Europe, the fall of 2015 and spring of 2016. So a lot of these kids had been there just a couple of months. They didn't speak German. And we would just go out there and play with them. And it was really fun. And then as things evolved and they went back to school, I started tutoring them because I spoke German. I knew how to do math. And so I was able to help tutor them. And that was just really interesting. I learned so much about them and realized that some of these kids had parents who were illiterate. And it just blew me away. Like, I have never met anyone who was illiterate before. And so I started understanding their culture and just learning about them and getting to know them and learning to trust each other. And that was just so interesting. I wanted to share one experience that came from the service that was very unexpected. So, And it kind of ties back into the revelation. So I have two necklaces that I wear. On Sundays, I wear my young women bling, and that's the (laughs) medallion, the bee, and the torch. And then during the week, I wear a seashell, which I got when I biked the Camino Santiago in Spain. Well, one day I was going out there. I usually biked to the refugee camp. And I thought, oh, I should wear my torch. And I thought, oh, but it's on the bling. And I have to take it off the chain. And then I have to take, put it on the other chain. And I got to go. And it was just like this repetition. You should wear your torch. I went, okay, I think I'll wear my torch because I've learned not to rationalize. (laughs) So I changed the chains and I wore it. And I got there and 
most of the kids weren't there that day for some reason. But this young lady named Sana, she was nine years old, she came up to me and she said, we're moving tomorrow. And so I'm talking to her and I'm thinking I'm really kind of sad that I might never see this young lady again, which good news was I ended up working at the camp where she went. So I did get to see her for the next couple of years. But she looked at me and she saw my torch and she says, I have one of those. And Mm -hmm. she had it under her shirt. She pulled it out and says, see, I have one. Well, the International Ward had done a fair for the refugees, and the young women had given out torch necklaces to all the girls, whatever age they were. And I hadn't been a part of that, so I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was such a neat thing, that she had this torch and that she recognized it on me, and that was it. And then I rode my bike home, and I have to say that I received my best thoughts and ideas when I'm outside in nature. And when you're riding a bike, it's even better, you know? (laughs) So all the way home, I'm thinking about this young girl and I'm thinking, okay, what does the torch represent? It's the light of Christ. Mm -hmm. And she has the light of Christ. And I thought, it is not inappropriate for this Muslim girl to be wearing the torch because she has the light of Christ and she's just as much a woman of faith as I am. Mm -hmm. And And I thought, what seeds might have been planted from this experience? Because In 10 years, she might see someone that's wearing that torch and say, wow, Yana was wearing those. Yana was my camp name. Uh Janet's just too hard. (laughs) So Yana wore that. Mm -hmm. Oh, why did somebody else have one of these? I just thought, you never know the seeds. That's so cool. Yeah. So that was really a tender thing for me. And I should just put a little plug in for pondering time for Revelation because we walk around listening with our headphones and stuff all the time. plugged in. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit really needs us to have a quiet place so He can speak to us. And even just, I'm a math person, so problem solving to me is really a lot the same as figuring out your testimony and stuff like that. You need quiet time to be Mm -hmm. able to do that. And I loved that time on the bike ride. That's where I've solved a lot of the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's That's wonderful. What an amazing story. Do any other lessons from service come to mind? Yeah, I actually have two. One is about the refugee camps, and one is from Superstorm Sandy, if I can share that. So there was a service project that the church sponsored to put together baby boxes for refugees who were mothers who were having babies. And that was a huge event. And I met a woman there named Trish who was working for the military, who was Catholic. And she came up to me and she said, somebody told me to talk to you about working in the refugee camps. I really want to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I said, perfect, because I've got this young woman. She's from Afghanistan. She needs help learning English. So let me set up the situation first. There's a young woman named Samane, and she had been there one year. So the first year, they would go into this transitional class where they just really learn German and math and maybe a little history, but just very basics just to help them. And as they progressed, if they got to a certain point, then they'd put them into a regular classroom. So Samane had just found out that she was going to be going into ninth grade class in the fall. And that meant she was going to be doing fifth year English. And she freaked out. (laughs) She's just going, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I'm barely learning German. Mm -hmm. So she came to me and said, will you teach me English? Now, German summer vacation is six weeks long. So I thought, great, we have one week per year. (laughs) We can do this. (laughs) That's when Trish said, I can help. So the plan was I would go Tuesdays and spend a couple hours with her, and Trish would go Thursdays and spend a couple hours with her, and we would try to do whatever we could in six weeks. So I went and I bought books. I made up lesson plans. And the first day I went there, I'd been texting with Samane and said, okay, we're going to meet at 3 o'clock or whatever. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I get there. She's not at the library. And I'm texting her. I'm going, where are you? And she goes, well, my friend decided to come to the camp, and I didn't know it, so I'm just going to spend the time with her. And I have to say, I was not happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, you have to at least come get the materials. And here's your homework assignment, by the way. I'm a teacher, you know. (laughs) There will be homework. (laughs) So I'm riding my bike home, and I'm thinking through this, thinking, okay, so why am I doing this? Am I getting it so that she'll go, thank you so much, Yana, for helping me. I think you're the greatest. You've changed my life. Yeah, is that why I'm doing this? And I thought, okay, we made a contract. It's very much like a covenant, right? I would do this, Trish would do this, and she would do this. I upheld my part. So it's not really my place to decide what she does. Hmm. I did my part. I filled my commitment. I should feel good about it. And then I'm done. And it really helped me kind of work through. I love that I could ride my bike because by the time I got home, I was totally fine. felt fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I will note, she never missed again. She was a very good student. But she was a teenager. She was, was, my friend's here. Of course I want to hang out with her. Mm -hmm. So she never missed again. And she was very successful in her school. She was doing very well when I left. I was really pleased with her efforts. So that was really a good thing for me. Mm -hmm. And kind of similar, during Superstorm Sandy, that was fall of 2012, there was so much effort put out by the members and the communities. I mean, it was so amazing to see Basically, for two months, that's what we did every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I had a good friend who was going through cancer treatments at the time and could not help. But the next summer, when there was a lot of rebuilding going on, she was available to help. So we went out. She was in our group. And we went and we were rebuilding the basements because that's where a lot of the flooding happened. And so we're doing drywall and taping and mudding. You know, it mm-hmm. was it was hard work for someone who's not used to that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the houses that we went into, there was nobody there. So we just did the work, and we left. And this is the things that she said to me. She said, I loved that we were doing hard physical labor without knowing who it was for. She said, I walked away at the end of the day, my heart full of gratitude for the opportunity to serve in secret. Wow. And that just taught me such a huge lesson. And I'm just going to mention her first name so that those who know her will Mm -hmm. be, but her name is Marin. And she was such an example to me about why we serve and how we should feel about it. What a neat example that really packages that up. I love it. Thank you. Janet, you've also shared with us what you've learned about how Heavenly Father will make us an instrument in His hands to do His work if we let Him. And also, I think if we recognize that that's what's happening, we would love for you to share how you've seen Him prepare you to do His work, both in New York City and on the Women General Board and elsewhere, and how that has blessed your life. I have just been amazed at the opportunities that I've been given. As a child, I lived in Europe a lot. By the time I graduated from college, I'd lived over there four different times. So I was exposed to people who had different ideas. And that, I think, prepared me to move to New York. I felt like New York's halfway between Europe and the rest of the United States. And so it wasn't hard for me to live in a small apartment and not have a car and use public transportation because I'd seen people Mm do that. And that was the norm. So I felt like he prepared me to live in New York. And I really feel that we were able to be instruments in his hands there to serve because we were willing. And we know in the Doctrine and Covenants says, if you're willing, you're called, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I was 16, I worked at Brighton Girls Camp. And I was a KD, which means you wash dishes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went back and worked as a counselor. But that first summer when I was 16, I realized that I loved being out of doors and that I could feel the spirit there. So I was drawn to jobs that took me outdoors. 
and I was drawn to camp, and I had a lot of experience in New York with camp, good and bad. I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and so when I got called to be on the Young Women Board, and they said, will you be on this camp committee? I was going, of course. I not only know that camp in New York can't be the same as camp in Salt Lake, and I knew that I had just recently made some mistakes as a camp leader, and they were great because you learn the most when you make mistakes, right? Uh, yep. You come out of the good camps <laughs> and going, okay, whatever. But when you make a mistake, you go, okay, this is how we can change and mm-hmm. do a better job next year. So I feel like that really helped me putting together the camp guide, which I feel like is just so much more universal. The whole church can use that, and you can make camp work where you live rather than try and model it after what North America was doing. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, was great. And then I just think that as far as callings, that the Lord asks you to do things that are hard, right? You just go, what are you thinking? (laughs) Like, I, I can't do that. But as I've learned to trust him, and as I've said, he provides a way. And during some of those times with the young women, I thought, of what became one of my favorite scriptures was, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, and he will direct you for good. But he knows my potential, and I just have learned to trust him that he can use me. I mean, I think if he can take a farm boy like Joseph Smith with a third-grade education and do what he did, then he can certainly take me and do whatever he wants with me. And so that is a tender thing to think about, that he loves me enough He has a plan. I mean, that is something I feel very strongly about. He has a plan, and he has a plan for me. And I just need to do my part and prepare so that he can use me as an instrument in his hands. That's really wonderful. Janet, you've shared so much with us about revelation and about service that has been so incredibly inspiring. And we just want to know, is there anything you'd like to share with the women of the church or the listeners of the podcast? I do, and I have two. The first thing, I think, is for us to recognize that we are all children of God. We don't have a corner on that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are all children of God. So many times I have looked at people and thought, there but for the grace of God go I. Like, why was I born here? I could have been that person. And I've learned to appreciate who those people are and to appreciate their goodness and learn from them and Notice how they keep their own covenants and learn from that. And I would encourage all of us to appreciate what is good in others and see the good in others and learn from that and take from it and share our goodness so that we can have, I guess, more unity and more love one towards another. I just feel like that is something I have learned not only in spiritual things but temporal things. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. It's just we are all children of God. And the second thing I've just thought about is to try and have joy in keeping our covenants. We can learn that from the Jews. They are so joyful when they start their Sabbath. It is a celebration. Mm -hmm. And I have tried to think about that as I've served, that keeping my covenants means I need to serve others. And I think that as we serve, if we're serving not necessarily in secret and we're serving a person, that there is something in that relationship that changes when you serve, that can't develop in any other way. And so I feel like sometimes we find our best selves as we serve. And for me, sometimes some of my best friends have come through that service. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been such a great interview, and we're really glad that so many people said that we should meet you and and talk to you (laughs) because this really has been such 
an uplifting experience. Well, thank you for the invitation. I was a little astonished, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) We've really enjoyed this. Thank you. And we want to thank our listeners, as always, for tuning in to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. And if someone has come to mind who might benefit from this conversation, from the things Janet has shared, we hope that you'll share this episode with them. And we are always so grateful to hear from our listeners, either through reviews on Apple Podcasts or via email. So please reach out to us if you have feedback or ideas. You can contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. In addition to being on the church's website, it's also available on the Gospel Library app, Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. So tune in, subscribe, and please continue to share these voices and stories of women of faith with your friends and family. We'd also like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. Until next week, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guy. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.